this time Miss Dina is going to bring us a special.
Once again, uh, if you will, begin turning with me in your Bibles to Romans 5. You know, grace changes everything. I was reminded of this the other day. Uh, I was watching a Doritos commercial. And if you ever watch Doritos commercial, you can tell they spend a little bit of money on their commercials because they are the most hilarious ones out there. But Doritos commercial, the mom pulled up from the grocery store and she started taking bags out and she asked her two sons to come help unload the groceries and immediately they just kind of moved around and were looking at one another and then she said these words, or you won't get Doritos. And the race was on. One of them even rode a dog to the van. It was just this amazing thing and it reminded me back when I was a younger child and Dad would tell me, hey, boy, go do this. And, and I would mope around. He said, or you'll get a whooping. And it was like, whoo. You know, everything changed. But to a Christian, grace is that way. Everything changed, and it hinges upon grace. You see, the grace of God came, and, and, and when it did, it everything changed. Our perspective of life changed. Because now, with Jesus Christ as our Savior... We have abundant life. And that's what grace can do to every one of us here this morning. If we'll stand, we're going to read uh, Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. It says in verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let's bow. Dear Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for allowing us to come out this morning study a passage of Your Word. Dear Lord, thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your Son as He came and He died on the cross for us. But Lord, also thank You for every time we mess up, You look at us and You see grace. Dear Lord, thank You for that gift. Thank You for Your love. In Your name I pray. Amen. If you look at our text in Romans 5 and skip down to verse 12, we'll see where the roots of sin began. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death is passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, that one verse tells us and reminds us to where sin actually came from. If we'll remember back in the timeline of the Bible, we, we know that Adam was the first man who ever sinned. Adam and Eve were created in, in this perfect image of God to represent Him here on this earth. And God made them exactly how He wanted them, but He made them different than every other thing in one aspect. He gave them the choice to be obedient or disobedient. And Adam could choose. It was his choice. We're reminded over in First Timothy 
chapter 2 and verse 14. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Adam wasn't deceived. He wasn't tricked into eating the fruit. He knew exactly what he was doing. And that sin, now that Adam sinned, uh, defiantly he ate of the fruit, and because of that sin, it's a part of who we are today. Sin is a part of humanity now. It's in our fleshly makeup. From Adam it passed to us all, is what verse 12 says. Romans 3.23, we know that it says, For the wages of sin... For all have sinned. I'm sorry, wrong verse. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin has deep roots. If you look at verse 14 of this passage in Romans 5, you'll see a neat verse that I wanted to bring out. It says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him who was to come. You see, if you go back to verse 13, it says, For unto the law sin was in the world, but, the, but sin is not imputed when, the law, when there is no law. See, in my country boy definition of all this is basically this. There was no identifying mark to define sin before the law. So before Moses, you didn't have an identifying mark. It was just spoken word of God. But then when the law came, we knew exactly what sin was. And so what Paul is bringing out here in Romans chapter 5 is even though there was no identifying mark between Adam and Moses, there was still sin. It was still here. And it's got deep roots. It goes all the way back to the beginning of humanity with Adam himself. You see, we know this throughout the Bible that a root system determines the fruit that one bears. If a plant starts as an apple seed, it doesn't grow into a peach tree. As we go back to the very first roots of humanity, in Adam, we find sin. So it's no shock to us all that sin's a part of who we are. But see, sin is just not this thing that we can overlook. Sin is not this thing that it just goes unnoticed to God. There's a punishment for sin. Sin has a result. In that verse 12 we say, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and death by sin. You see, there's sin's result. From the very moment that Adam ate of the fruit, he began to physically die. Also, he immediately died spiritually. Spiritual death is separation from God. When God showed up in the garden after Adam's sin, what did He do? He hid. There was a separation. The closeness that they once had in fellowship was ultimately destroyed. There was separation between the two. The spiritual death and physical death both come from sin. Adam hid from God, and that shows the separation. 
Romans 6.23, we know it says, for the wages of sin is death. But I love that last part. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Another verse that we can look to that shows us that sin or death is the result of sin is in James 1 and verse 15. It says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Spiritual death after physical death equals hell. If we were spiritually dead at the time of our physical death, our eternal home is hell. There's no dodging the bullet here. That's what it is. Dead in our sins, there is no hope in life. What do we look forward to? What do we do? But see, this is where grace comes in. In verse 15 of of the text, our grace is exposed. I was talking to Miss Frances, uh, I believe it was Friday, and I said I told her something. I said I've always searched in the Bible for a great definition of grace. You know, one place where it just really lays it out, and it's right there in front of me. And I think we can come to this verse. And we can come to several points in the Bible and see that this definition is brought out. But in Romans 5, in verse 15, it says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Free gift. If you read on, it says, For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. I think the best definition for grace is free gift. It's a free gift. You see, free gift is something that I wasn't good enough to get. A free gift is something that I didn't earn. A free gift is something that I did not work for. And that's what grace is. You cannot pay for it because it is completely free. Giving something you don't deserve is what we were taught in Sunday school as the definition of grace. Giving someone something they don't deserve. But isn't that a free gift? The Bible clearly lays it out before us that grace is a free gift. But we're sinners. We ought not forget that. Verses 6 through 8 in our text, it says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. I want you to listen to these next two verses very closely. For scarcely... For a righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's grace. When we look at that, we, here's, here's the summation of it. 
People just don't die for other people all the time. People, if, if they would hate you, they're not going to die for you. If you're a bad person, they're not going to die for you. But if you're a good person, it's very rare that somebody would die for you even then. And even though Paul, who describes himself as the filthiest or the chiefest of sinners, Christ died for him. That's grace. That's what grace is. He couldn't earn it. He couldn't deserve it. But Christ died for us. Because everything we could do, as perfect as we could strive to be, we would always fall short. God's grace is this. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, as the remission for our sins. So that while we were dead in our sins, Jesus chose to lift us up out of them. It reminds me, as I was a young boy, I would always try to jump across the largest puddle of water that I could. I would usually always come up short. That's the way Christianity works. Us in our sins, we can try to jump and we can try to leap as far as we can go but we'll always end up falling short. And we'll always end up getting in a messy situation. But thanks be to God that He doesn't leave us there. That's what grace is. Grace is He saw that you fell short and decided to pull you out. Grace is He saw the mess you were in and said, I want Him or I want her out of that situation. You see, the result of grace, as we look down at verse 17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, such more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. The result of grace is life. We have life in grace. Instead of death, which was what I was condemned to, Jesus chooses to give me life. Through the grace of God sending His Son as the payment of my sin, the payment completely covered my sin, and now I can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, my Lord. Let's look at verse 20 real quick. It it says closely to the same thing. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. In school, I was a math guy. uh, and, And things sometimes relate to me in equations. So I just want to show you an equation this morning. Uh pertaining to Romans 5.20. Sin plus nothing equals death. But sin plus grace equals life. That's the equation that changed my life and I hope to God that it changed yours. You see, even though we were born in sin and, and because of Adam's sin, it's abounding in my life. One man caused the sin in my life. But one man gave the grace in my life too. 
And that's Jesus Christ. And because of His payment, I can accept that grace. And my eternal result is life. Everlasting life. It's amazing. And, and you know, we, we read Scriptures like this all the time, but we don't seem to grab a hold of, uh, of the negative side of it. But I think of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, the negative side of that is, for by grace are you saved. What are we saved from? Death. Sin. That's what we're saved from. What are we saved to? Life. Eternal life. Once you enter into eternal life, it's, it, it's something that should be clear to our minds, but seems to be absent at times. Eternal life means that it never goes away. Once we're in it, it's there to stay. Once I accepted Jesus Christ, nobody can ever take that from me, including myself. He gave me eternal life. You see, the basic equation that we talked about a while ago and, and sin and grace, they wouldn't be possible without Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the giver. Think of what Jesus did on the cross and taking my pain and my shame for me so that I could have eternal life. What a great gift it is. If you look at verse 17 through 19, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one's man, one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Skip down to verse 21. It says, That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might Christ reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. If you'll see in those verses, righteousness keeps coming up. The word righteousness is repeated in several of those verses, including this last one. And it may reign through righteousness, unto eternal life. And, and there's a small word there, but it's so hard not to see. By Jesus Christ. You see, when God looks at me and my sin condition, He doesn't see me. He sees Christ on behalf of me. The only reason I have righteousness, the only reason that I'm able to do righteousness is because of what Jesus Christ has already done for me. 
Jesus Christ is the giver of, of not only life and grace, but of righteousness. And when God looks at me, He no longer has to say that He's condemned to hell, but He says, I see righteousness because of the blood that my Son shed on the cross. Jesus is the one that came as a payment for our sins. Jesus is the one that offers grace and life. And Jesus also said it this way, I am the truth, the life, and the way. He said it that way in 1 Corinthians in verse 5, or chapter 15 and verse 22. I love the way this sums the whole message. In James or 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22, it says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That's it. Jesus Himself said it this way in John 10 and verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now the only sin this morning that keeps you from God is you rejecting the grace that He offers. I imagine it this way. Maybe you can imagine it with me this morning. What if you were stuck in a deep pit and you couldn't get out on your own and a friend lended a hand to pull you out? You'd be a fool not to accept His request. But the same is what Christ has done for you. You were dead in your sin. There's no way you could get out, but Christ chose to lend a hand and give of Himself to pull you out of that pit called sin. How foolish it will be on the day of judgment to see men and women who never accepted that grace. Who never said, I knew it was there, but I didn't want any part of it. Because Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You see, He offers grace and He offers life. And He wants you to have it. It's up to each and every one of us to believe it and accept it. As our song minister comes this morning, I want to ask you, have you ever accepted life? When Jesus said He came to bring life and life more abundantly, I think of the Christian walk. Because now that I have Jesus living within me, I have life more abundantly. And you say, well, Trey... Uh, I've got a better ride than you. I've got a better car, a better house, a better this and that. Oh, well. See, that's not what Christ was pertaining to. Christ said, when you come into Me, I'll give you life. And the life that I'll give you has purpose. And that's why it's better. So this morning I want to ask you, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Have you accepted the grace that He offers? as we sing.